right, let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. And, um, and we've been talking about... Um, we've been talking about pursuing Christ and looking at the seven signs that Christ did in the book of John. These seven signs are described by John as a sign, although they are miracles. And these are miracles that were done by Christ to portray who he is and who the Father is. And so we've looked at um, already several of those. We want to take a break this morning from that. We'll return back to that next Sunday. And we'll talk about the feeding of the 5,000, if the Lord gives. Um, I had a message prepared this morning for a service today. And I woke up this morning at 5 o'clock this morning. And um, I'm just kind of going through my mind, just preparing what I had prepared. And, and I felt like the Lord was not in that. And it was a good word. I think it was a good message. Uh, but I think that what happens, so I changed my message, and I, w- I worked on it for about two and a half hours this morning with some really good organic coffee. And, um, and so if you guys get a text message from me in the morning at six o'clock in the morning, that's what's happening. Don't feel like you've got to answer that. But what happens, I think, sometimes is with the Word of God is that during there, we are in a spiritual war. This is spiritual warfare all around us. Mature Christians understand that. They understand that there's a war, there's a strategy, there's an enemy. The enemy takes no captives. Uh, he is here to kill. He is here to kill, destroy. Uh, he's here to lie, kill, and destroy. And that's the enemy in John chapter John chapter eight. But I think that sometimes what will happen in warfare is that as the if you know anything about combat, and I don't know much about combat, but from what I, I'm learning a lot with what's happening in Ukraine, one of the things with combat is that the field, what's happening on the field changes. And it can happen in an hour, things can be totally different. And so there needs to be this adaptability. There needs to be this ability to adapt to the changing environment, the field, um, what's happening with the, the, the dynamics on the field, resources. Um, and uh, there's a lot of just warfare that's psychological. Some of it's, a lot of it's psychological. A lot of it is what is propagated on on uh, the media and a good the the successor the winner the victor of the war is not necessarily the one that has the most resources but it's the one that has the information and i think that the lord what he does is that he sees what's happening in our life he sees the changing environment and he'll give a word for that moment and that's why manna was something that happened every morning and so I feel like the Lord just kind of gave me um, a message that uh, will probably be, this will relate to New Year's, but I think it'll be something that, that will encourage us. And so I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about the miracle, I want to talk about the star, and I want to talk about the gaze. Okay? And if you're wondering how those all relate, focus, and you're going you're gonna to get a blessing here. The miracle, when I, and this is a, this is a message that came to me as I was talking to my wife yesterday. My wife and I were talking, and, and as we're talking, the Lord's just giving me just this, these thoughts, and, and I thought, wow, this, these are some great principles. And then this morning I woke up, and I thought, I think that's the sermon. And so this is it. So um, enjoy, right? Bon appetit. <laughs> uh, the miracle, when we look at the miracle, the miracle, the, the star, and the gaze, um, 
I'm going to go back to Christmas for a second. And when we think about how Jesus was born and how God orchestrated that whole event, we know that Jesus is born in Bethlehem in a manger, in a, in a, in a, um, in a facility, a barn or a stall or a place where animals were kept because there was no place for him to be born or to stay. And so when Jesus was born, God used a star to lead the shepherds that were out at night um, watching their sheep. And God used the star to lead these shepherds to the miracle, the greatest miracle of the universe and the human history, and that was the birth of Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, verse 14. God used the star, and this miracle, this, this star was something that God used to guide the shepherds through the trouble, the doubts, the mockery, the unbelief, the fear, and the danger to the destination, which was the manger. In one sense, Jesus had a star that guided him through the darkness of the cross, and it would lead him to a miracle. And I want to talk about that here in in just a second. But if we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this, that we, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and I want to hit hit the pause button there for a second. Um, My pastor, my first pastor that pastored our family, when we came to Greater Grace, I was 11 years old, 1978. His wife passed away yesterday, or day before yesterday. I think it was Saturday, Saturday morning. And I spoke with him yesterday. I called him up, and his wife was just an amazing lady that served by his side for many years. Um, my first pastor was uh, uh, fought in Vietnam. He's a Vietnam vet, just a guy that's made out of stone, uh, just a hard, very soft heart, though. And his wife passed away, and they were married. I don't know how many years they were married, but he was just on the phone. He was just, I could hear him weeping as he was telling me about how, you know, my wife was an angel and how God, you know, how, how much he loved her. And my brother texted me something, and he said, you know, there's many champions waiting for us on the other side. Think about that, champions that are waiting for you. I don't know if you've lost someone. Um, I've lost my mom. Um, maybe this year we could lose people that are very close to us. But, you know, they're, they're going to be our champions. They are our champions on the other side that are waiting for us. I'd like to talk about heaven one time in the future. I think that would be really great to talk about heaven. What is heaven? How does it look? And what does the Bible say about that? But we have these witnesses. They're cheering us on. It's a crowd. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set. Remember that word set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I was on the phone yesterday, uh, two days ago, <clears throat> Friday, with all of our Ukrainians. I just, you know, this, this was just a call for all the Ukrainians that could jump on, on the call. There was a lot of them that had no electricity because of the blackouts there due to the war. And I spoke to, you know, there's some of them that just had enough power on their battery to, you know, on their phone to, to be a part of the call. So you just see these blank, these black, you know, and like a little face there. And we were talking, <clears throat> and we have three guys, three guys that are, that have been uh, part of our ministry, that have been, that are our leaders in our church, youth leaders, um, assistant pastors, and a pastor. And, uh, and then one guy who is not, he's, he's a guy that I just did his wedding uh, two years ago. 
He was married. He was together with his wife for many years. They split up. She gets saved. Um, she's alone. And then God does something in her unbelieving husband's life. And he comes back. And they wanted to get married again. And so I did their wedding two years ago. He's on the front lines this morning in Bakhmut, which is like the hot point of the whole war right now. I mean, it's just an incessant bombing. And so I get, you know, he's on the front. There's this other guy, Yoda, who is a, one of our youth pastors. He was a, he served with me when I was in Ukraine uh, two years ago. We did a youth, we did a youth camp there in Odessa, and he served with me, him and his wife. And he's on the front. He's a drone operator, and he, when he joined, when he, when he was drafted into the into the army, and sent. Um, real quick story. He, he has on his heart ministry, and he finished our Bible school in Kiev. And on his heart was just ministry to people. So well, the, the first couple weeks he was, before he was deployed, he was in, in a set of barracks in, the east, in western U, Ukraine near the Polish border. And he said to his guys that were in the barracks, let's have a Bible study. Let's go downstairs in the basement and have a Bible study. Because that was really the only place that they could do it. So they go downstairs and like they're through, you know, some, there's a few guys that stayed upstairs. So as they're doing the Bible study, you may have heard that there was a there was a rocket attack about a year about a year ago, uh, no less than a year ago because the war started in February, and it, the rocket attack was on one of these military installa- installations in western Ukraine because that is where some of the help is coming from the west, and uh, the missile hit his barracks and blew up his barracks, and the guys that were upstairs not at the Bible study, we laugh about this but it was, really happened, um, were injured and severely injured. And the guys that were downstairs in the basement during the study uh, were safe. And this is the guy, his name is Yoda. Pray for him. Yoda, and there's two names, Yoda, and the other guy is Sergei. And, and so he gets deployed. He has a heart to minister to these soldiers. And he said, um, he said to me, or someone, his wife said to me two days ago on the call, she said, he goes out to the front, and he's a drone operator, and he's just, right now, he's having a hard time. It's really hard. He's, you know, he struggles with depression and, and all of these emotions. And I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, you know, war does that, right? And, and it's just, it hurts people and people get wrecked. And, but she's, no, that's not the reason. Because uh, he is ministering to these guys in his unit, Christ. And he's talking about eternity. And he's talking about the Bible. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the reality of heaven, the reality of of the things of God. And some of these guys go across the line and they don't come back. And he's really worried about them. Did they go to heaven? Did they know God? And this is what's really disturbing his heart. And this is what's causing this sadness in his heart. And I thought, I was so touched when I heard that. I thought, who is thinking like that in a situation like that? I don't know. But he is thinking about souls. And that's the heart of Christ. Christ is thinking about people. Christ is thinking about souls. And this was the, this was what was set before Christ. You know, when, when we look at this, um, he endured the cross in verse two and he sat down at the right hand of God. There was something that was set before Christ in Hebrews chapter 12. What was that joy? Think about what was the joy that was set before Christ that made him endure the, the hardship the, the contradiction of sinners, it says in the King James, the, 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 the shame, he was despising the shame, he was pushing back. 
And what was the joy that was set before him? That word set means to be a destiny. It's a waypoint. It's a place that you're pressing forward to get to. And what was that joy that was before Christ? As he's suffering on a cross like no other human being has ever physically suffered. Physically, psychologically, spiritually, in every way. No man has ever suffered like this man, that Jesus, how he suffered. And what was the joy that was set before him? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 10. And I want to talk about what this joy is. This word joy is from the word, it's from the word where we get grace from in the Greek, charis. It means joy. Joy is a word in the Bible that means this is the effect in my life when I understand God's favor in my life, joy. And joy is not, joy is not first an emotion. Joy is just this inner conviction. It's this inner peace that you have inside of your heart. And so in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Love this verse. What's happening here in Luke chapter 10 is that Jesus had sent out 70 disciples, 70 people to go out and evangelize, to go preach in the towns. He sent them two by two, and he sends them out to, to these, um, uh, into these villages and into these towns around. And these disciples go out, and there's this incredible response. People are getting saved. Demons are being cast out. There's this incredible stuff that's happening that's never happened before. So they come back, and they said to Jesus, and it says that the disciples were really rejoicing. And Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons and spirits are subjective to you, subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in, the, in, your names are written in, the, in heaven, in the, Lamb's book of life, in, the, in the Lamb's book of life, that your names are written in heaven. And so Jesus is seeing this. And then it says here in verse, in verse um, and it's kind of like a moment where Jesus either gets by himself or he has this moment with God, and it says in, in Luke 10, verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. And that word in the Greek means not just joy, but this ecstatic joy, like this overflowing joy, like this incredible joy. And he rejoiced in spirit, in the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. He wasn't rejoicing in his flesh because things were going good. He wasn't rejoicing in his soul because he felt good. He was rejoicing in the spirit, and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. Jesus is having a moment where he is seeing, he is seeing these, his disciples coming back. He's seeing the joy, the victory that his disciples have, are having. He's seeing the souls that are coming to, coming to believe in Christ, in God. He's he is like, and there's this joy that comes up in his soul and he begins to rejoice because why? Because he's seeing faces. And this is what I think the joy that was set before him on the cross was. Faces that he knew that in a year from now are gonna be in Evergrace. A year ago, you some, like some of you weren't here, right? But in a year from now, like what will the Lord do? He's gonna add. And this was the joy of Jesus as he's on the cross suffering and he's thinking about the faces of people that would be responding to the grace message, that would be responding to the gospel. He'd be responding that there are teenagers making decisions for Christ, making a decision not to live for their flesh, but a teenager's making a decision for divine priorities in their life. Uh, he's rejoicing because he's seeing uh, men and women like we heard today, the testimony from Mike, making decisions by faith, radical decisions to live in a radical way because God's a radical God and God loves radicalness because God, God is a God who loves faith. He loves it. He's, you know, and, and this is what God loves. He loves, 
He loves this. He's seeing faces. He's seeing the simple faith of people that don't even understand what has just happened in their life when they became a believer. And it's what God loves. Pastor Adam was sharing yesterday, last night, um, about two families, you know, and just the joy of, of seeing God work in their life, seeing their need and then seeing the joy of God working in their life. Um, we heard Pastor Jerry said yesterday, last night, also another story about what was happening, you know, with, with, a, with a, a group of people that he, with a family that he spoke with yesterday in Magnolia. This is joy. I, I have to say, and I say this a lot, but one of the most moving times for me is when I'm leaving here in my truck and I'm driving home, and usually I'm by myself, and I'm driving home, either it's after a night of fellowship or a service like this, and there's just so much joy in my heart. It's because I see your faces, because I see what God's doing in your life. That, for me, is like, that is joy. That is like seeing a teenager, like the, like teenagers that we have here, and then just their, their faith, you know, their decisions, the stories that I'm hearing. Some of them are just amazing, you know. The joy that Lizzie's in Trinity, you know, she's up there teaching in a very difficult school district, and she's like a shining light there. That's joy for me, you know, hearing about you know, Josh and, and Louie going out and just sharing the gospel yesterday. We did the same thing, but New Year's Eve, you're going to go out there and do that? Like, isn't there something better you can do? Like, that's joy, isn't it? And there's no joy that's greater than the joy of a person that takes the moment to share the gospel. The joy of, the joy of, of what we do is the faces. And this was the joy that was set before Christ, that he was thinking about you, Okay. Just imagine that. Jesus in his omnipotence, in his omniscience, in his, in his deity. Jesus is doing this because he's Jew- Jesus and he's thinking about everyone that would ever get saved. He's thinking about you and you are his joy. Like Jesus isn't up in heaven like, oh, he's really busy today. He's probably got a lot going on with the angels and getting them, you know, set and equipped for warfare. And Jesus in heaven is thinking about you and I. He is interceding for us. He's praying for us because we are on his mind. We were on his mind in eternity past. And this is his joy. This is his joy. <clears throat> the miracle. What is the miracle? The miracle is, is that Christ was born. Uh, Christ, the miracle is that Christ w- was brought into this world and he bridged the gap between us and God. And we get to look at a person. We get to see in flesh, God in the flesh, and that's Jesus Christ. The star, I want to talk about the star for a second. The star reflects the light of another from the sun. When you look at the stars at night, you're not looking at light that's, that's coming from the star. No star has its own light, unless it's, a, unless it's like a sun, like it is, like what we have. But most of the objects in the sky that we're looking at at night are reflecting the glory of the sun, the ones that are close to us. All the planets in our solar system, when you look at them, they're reflecting the light of um, the sun. And that's what a star does. A star, a star does, that does not make its own light. Uh, there's a beautiful verse in Isaiah 50, verse 11. It says that when we try to make our own fire, when we try to make our own, when we try to shine with our own shining, then um, it leads to burnout. That's Isaiah 50, verse 11. Uh, God had to send a star to the shepherds. Um, we don't determine our own star. You know, the shepherds, you know, the shepherds are out there. They have no idea what's going on. And then suddenly the, 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 the heavens light up with angels, a host of angels singing, and then there's this star, and, and God had to send that. And the stars in the Bible always represent 
And it starts in Genesis 26, verses 2 through 3. Stars always represent God's people reflecting God's glory light. Um, imagine, that, hear the angels and they're present and they're filling the sky with their glorious praise and astounding, they're astounding the shepherds. But they soon left. The angels weren't there the whole time. They left and all that the shepherds had was a star. The glorious sensational moments in our lives where it seems our whole horizon is filled with the hosts of God singing may not be long lived and what we are left with is a star to follow to the miracle that God made, the miracle birth of his son to the whole world for you, all of us in this, in this room. And so God sends, us a, God sends us stars. And what's a star? I think it's Ephesians chapter 4 uh, verse 11. It's a, it's a pastor. It's a teacher. It's, a, it's the body of Christ. It's this church. And he sends people into your life that are reflecting God's light. Right? Like you, you in this room reflect to me God's light. And these, this light that, got, that is being reflected by you is the glory of God. Because he himself in Ephesians 4 verse 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. This is why a star is so important. It's reflecting the light of the sun, which is really Jesus Christ. We are reflecting the light, the glorious light of Jesus Christ, and we are reflecting that to the body of Christ in Ephesians 4.11 for the equipping of the saints, for them to grow, for the edifying of the body. Verse 13, here's the purpose. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, this purpose is that we would know Christ. Christ who's the miracle in our life. Christ is being, his being he, is, he is a total miracle. And that is why I think, I looked at, you know, and I was just asking my, my, myself this question, and my wife and I were talking about it. Like, what does God want to give birth to in your life? Right? What does God want to give birth to your, in your life for 2023? Um, and I think the answer to that is, is that Christ will be formed in you in the de- by the means of the details of life the systems that we have in place and the jobs that we do God is using these things to to make us into the, the image of Christ that we would be occupied with Christ and that's why we don't need to get overly occupied with the means the the jobs the systems and the provisions um, and I think that when when we are solely as a church or as a family or as an individual get solely occupied with uh, systems, and we get oriented to them. They become an end. Uh, they become a, they become a purpose to themselves. Then we miss the miracle of what God wants to do. Systems, things in your life can change. The means to the end may change. The end is Christ. That Christ would be formed in your life. That Christ would grow. That 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 next year at this time that you would see Christ in a way in your life that you didn't see before. Today, all of us in this room can say, I see Christ in a measure better than I did before. And so the, the, the meaning, the means and the systems are nothing in themselves because systems and, and programs and, and the way we do things that are not connected to the miracle birth of Christ are something that are forced and they're, they, they, are, they don't give life and that's basically what we call legalism. Um, I think that, you know, when we, and my wife and I were talking about this the other night when we come to the end of the year it's really easy for us to look at the year and just look at everything that didn't happen and maybe look at what's just what had happened in the last few weeks what just happened in the last few weeks that you know that that we didn't meet our goals or this didn't happen 
or we're, you know, we're disappointed in our own productivity. I think that what we need to do is really understand what is the star, what is the miracle birth that we're moving towards, what is that miracle, and that's Jesus Christ being formed in us. For example, um, I think as a pastor or as a church, I think you know, one, of my, one of my primary goals really is that, that Christ would be formed in you, that Christ would be formed in this church, in your personal lives. And that people would get to know Christ, that people would be transformed into the image of Christ. And how, how that happens, um, I don't know exactly. And we have some ideas of what has worked in the past. But I think that like, the, that's the main goal, is that Christ would be formed in your life. I think that what could happen is, is that if we get so wrapped up in systems and programs that become an end to themselves, then Christ is, then we're kind of just wandering off into the, you know, off to the side of the road and we're just, we got all these disciplines and programs going on, but there's no transformation in a person's life. And that transformation really is when I hear a story about someone being transformed and God's changing their life, I feel like we're missing, that we're hitting the mark at that moment. I feel like that's the miracle that we want. That's the miracle that we're pressing towards. That's the miracle that the stars, you know, there's stars that God brings, people that God brings into our life. And we're pressing towards to see that Christ, that miracle. Um, When we get the end, when we get the end goal right, Christ, the miracle of what God is forming in your life and walking towards that in the light of the light that God is giving us through people in our life in Ephesians 4 verse 11 then the provisions and the systems are going to come together themselves we got to have a plan but I think that all of us know what systems and programs are without Christ being the end you know Christ being formed in you and then lastly I just want to say um, the third point is what is our gaze what is our gaze so the miracle Christ being formed being born number two the star, the people of God, the body of Christ, the giftings in the body of Christ in Ephesians 4.11, pastor, teacher, prophet, etc. These giftings that God gives so that Christ would be formed in us. And thirdly, the gaze. What is the gaze? And this was just something from a personal study that I had a few days ago in my personal heart. Um, and I just want to read this to you because I, I, I write, so I like to write. And so sometimes when my, my message is on, I'm just going to read to you what I wrote. The eyes of a man were made for glory. His soul hungers for something worth seeing. The world is a war of spectacles. Man is a watching creature. Uh, we're born admirers, a natural worshiper. It is why we gaze at the stars, climb to the top of the mountains, explore underwater worlds, travel to the new and untamed lands, because we crave vistas. We crave, we crave to see the panorama. Not first to see ourselves, but and not to be seen ourselves, but we have been created to chiefly admire, to worship. We have been made to um, fix our, our eyes on something that's beyond Earth's horizons. What other animal in the animal kingdom thinks about going to the moon? <laughs> we have been made, we have eternity in our hearts in, in Ephesians 3, verse 11. We have eternity in our hearts. Okay? And... Because we have this eternity in our hearts, we are gazers. And for us to be able to look beyond what we can, we can physically see and what we can understand is a joy and a happiness that very few people get to experience. That's why Moses said to, him, to, to God in Exodus 33, verse 18, show me your glory. Show me your glory. 
um, we've been, we have this appetite from the beginning. Consider Eve's fall. The woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and she took of its fruit and ate in Genesis 3, verse 6. What happened was that she exchanged the glory of God for an image. She, she exchanged the glory of fellowship with God with something that she could see. Um, and so how, what is our gaze? Our gaze is at God, but when you think about gazing at God, it's like looking at the sun. Like if we were to try to look at the sun, we'd be blinded by its brightness and its glory. And we need a filter. We need a filter to see the glory of God. Uh, the face of the one who dwells in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. He dwells in a place of unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. But we have seen Christ. Like when Philip said, show us the Father and we will believe, Jesus said to Philip, I am that image that you seek. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And so practically speaking, if we are keeping our gaze on the miracle of who Christ is and Christ being formed in our life, making decisions for the word of God, making decisions to be in the fellowship, making decisions for Christ, as we heard earlier, making that hard decision, that radical decision, because when we do that, we're going to start, we're going to start experiencing, we're going to start experiencing intimacy with Christ that we've just never, ever experienced before. And so lastly, I want to say this, is that um, we have a friend back in Baltimore, or he lives overseas, and he's a, he's a Finnish pastor. He served in Baku. He's an oil and gas guy in Baku. Um, he doesn't live there anymore. But he also did, he also was a deep sea diver. He was, a, he was an instructor for deep sea diving. And one time he shared with us um, that sometimes when he's underwater and deep sea is your deep, you can't really move quickly to the surface. And sometimes when he's with someone that he's training, um, they'll panic. They'll panic underwater. They're very, very deep. I mean, you have all of this equipment on you. You can, you know, you're just, you can really only see uh, the other guy's eyes. You're just covered with this equipment. And then sometimes people will, um, will, will panic. And you can't really talk to each other. I mean, in some cases you can, but a lot of times you don't have that, that ability to, to communicate, to talk. And so what he said he does is that when there's someone uh, that he's training is panicking, he'll grab them by the head and he'll put their mask right up to his mask and he'll look right in the eyes and just stare and just look. And then that, they always calm down because the gaze, the gaze, the gaze of the instructor, the teacher, that gaze, the eye-to-eye gaze, the scared guy who's panicking, looking into the eyes of the, of the teacher, sees the, sees the experience, sees the plan, sees the love. There's just so much in a, ga- in a look between the, between the, the trainee and the, and the trainer. And the trainee, nine times out of ten, calms down and relaxes. And then they go to the surface. I think when we look at this, when we look at this new year coming up, look into the eyes of Christ, look at Christ, look at him look, the way he looks at you, he, you are his joy. You are his, you are his, you, you are his bride. Uh, when we come to God in prayer, it's like when I come home and I'm not home for a few hours or I don't see my son all day, you know, I open the door and my son will run to me, daddy, you know, and like that joy, like, like that's how God is with us. We walk in the door and God is so happy to see us. He's like that father that is so, so excited to have fellowship with us. And I know this is a very simple message, but I just want to say that in, in, in 2023 that, that Christ would be formed in our life, that we would look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
three things they talked about. Discover Christ through the discover Christ through the gift of people that God has put into our lives. Number two, we are developed in ourselves we are developing ourselves to be who Christ has made us to be through what God has given us, the means that He's given us. And number three, we are to, and, and you know what'll happen? is that you're going to be one day, you're going to be like, you're going to be revealing the glory of God to shepherds that are lost in darkness. And they're going to be coming in there. You're going to be leading them to the, to the miracle birth of Christ in your, own, in your own life. And so let's not underestimate what God wants to do this year. I think God has so many great things. And let's be occupied with his grace. Let's be occupied with his promises. And let's not look, let's not panic. And if we feel like panicking, which is going to happen, and maybe today we feel like we're going to panic, Look in the eyes of Christ. There may not be, there's not going to be a lot of words, but let him look at you and you look at him and know each other deeply and have a communion. Amen.